Hello, this is Thomas Cruz of SAE and Associates. Thanks for tuning in. We are back with another SAE CARES podcast. And for new listeners, CARES stands for Clinical and Research Experts. If you've already signed up to receive SAE updates in the behavioral health field, then you probably read our recently released white paper, which focuses on the impact of COVID-19 and includes a proposal for service innovation. So as a follow-up, SAE will be focusing on specific elements of the document during our next set of podcasts. Today, I'm joined by Fern Zager, who is a familiar voice on the SAE podcast at this point. She was featured in our COVID-19 podcast series, which is currently available on our website. Just a bit about her. Fern Zager is a transformation specialist with over four decades of experience providing solutions in nonprofit environments. She has extensive leadership experience on nonprofit boards, helping to develop and implement strategic plans. She specializes in strategic planning, behavioral health integration, program and staff development, mergers and acquisitions, leadership and board development, grants development, and services for children and families. Fern Zager, how are you doing today? Hi, Thomas, and thank you for that wonderful introduction. I didn't, know, I didn't know that I did all of those things, but I guess when I think back on my career, it's all true. <laughs> <laughs> sure, absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to uh, today's discussion about systems of care. Definitely a pleasure to have you on this podcast. I feel like uh, the new greeting, actually, with all that's happened this year especially, should be how are you doing today given the circumstances <laughs> or like all things considered. I absolutely do agree. But you know what stands out for me is that um, this pandemic has really tested our abilities to be innovative. Uh, we've had to come up with new ways of addressing what the needs are that, that we are seeing. You know, so, mm-hmm. so we're talking not only about our own personal health, which comes first. I mean, that's absolutely first. And along with that is the health of our families. But we're also talking about the health of our agencies and the health of our communities. Um, because without that whole picture, there is no health. If, if there isn't community health, then individual health just stays with the individual and doesn't go very much further. Mm-hmm. You really need community health to be able to grow, to be able to respond effectively to changing demands, sure. and to create new innovations. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's an interesting time in our in our lives, right? For sure, for sure. So today, Fern will talk about how the systems of care approach addresses the clinical and community-focused needs of COVID-19. With that, let's just jump right into it, Fern. The systems of care approach was initially developed to address the need for preventive and comprehensive care of vulnerable children and families. In the white paper, it's noted that the guiding principles of this strategy includes interagency collaboration, individualized strengths-based care, cultural competence, child, youth, and family involvement, community-based services, and accountability. Fern, speak to how this set of guiding principles translates well to addressing the pandemic. How is this systems of care approach responsive to COVID-19? Well, it's interesting, you know, um, we, we know the, the concept of it takes a village to raise a child. And that's something that we've learned from experience, that it's very difficult for uh, any individual, family, or entity to function alone. Um, so we, we begin to look at how do you develop sustainable long-term changes 
that um, will make a difference not only today and not only tomorrow, but in, in the long term. And that's where systems of care come in. Systems of care is really a philosophy. It's an approach towards, within those guiding principles that you so clearly stated, it's an approach that allows stakeholders to come together towards addressing a common concern. And it, it encourages and pro provides a platform for developing a common agenda towards addressing whatever those common concerns are. So as you mentioned, systems of care originally were, were started looking at kids and their families. Uh, and we looked in order for children to, to grow healthy, you know, to, to thrive, uh, particularly those children who are, have been impacted by any number of issues, poverty, health disparities, racism, community unrest, things that we now call the social determinants of health. There is no one approach or one provider that can address all, the, all of these complex needs. It really takes us all coming together. And that's what systems of care is. So as I said, it's not a program, it's a philosophy, it's an approach. Mm -hmm. But within that, uh, it allows for various stakeholders to um, play an important role in bringing about these longer-term kinds of changes. You know, it's in line with, with um, some public health approaches. We know that we need to take that kind of public health view to bring about sustainable changes. Well, how do you do that? And systems of care provides the context in which we can bring people together to be able to do that. And it, and it really allows for identity not only of the stakeholders, but of the different kinds of evidence-based practices or practices from, from uh, our own experience. It allows us to bring all of that together in the interest of what we agree to, to change. So right now, our focus has been on COVID-19 because COVID-19 has, has created problems and challenges in so many areas, and we weren't really prepared for it. You know, we had to pivot very, very quickly. And initially, individual agencies had to make immediate responses to the shutdown. You know, all of a sudden, we had to provide services remotely. All of a sudden, we had to provide supervision to staff remotely. We had to maintain our staff culture remotely. We had to meet our licensing requirements remotely. And so there were major changes and hit with tremendous financial impact as well. Revenues going down. Now we're seeing states, you know, in New York State, and I'm sure it's true in other places, states are looking at uh, lower tax revenue, which means less money coming out in terms of grants to help support uh, these public health issues and initiatives and, and, and concerns. So agencies have had to to make tremendous changes. And we know, we've learned that it's better to do this together than alone. And that's where the system of care comes in. Absolutely. And in terms of evidence-based practices, how does systems of care accommodate and support them? Okay, so systems of care allows us to look at various uh, evidence-based practices. One of, one of the um, approaches that I have found very helpful and useful is called collective impact. Collective impact has several components that are required for its being effective. And the first is that you have stakeholders that are that have the same concern. 
So for instance, when I was on Staten Island, we created a, um, a collective impact initiative we called Tackling Youth Substance Abuse, TISA. And we brought to the table what would seem to be very disparate groups of, of, of people, different stakeholders. So you had the providers, well, you, you can figure if you're looking at tackling youth substance abuse, providers of, of substance abuse services, even mental health services, that makes sense. But we also brought to the table other stakeholders. That included um, hospital personnel, it included the DA's office, the police department, uh, teachers, parents, youth. We also included, and they were eager to be included, uh, from the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene. We had representatives from there, and we had representatives from the State Office of Mental Health, because everybody was geared towards accomplishing the same thing, and that was to reduce youth substance abuse. And we could do so much more together. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts, another metaphor. Um, we could do so much more together than separately. And within this, we could decide what practices make the most sense to bring about the changes that we want. So collective impact in and of itself is an evidence-based practice. Sure. And it's used to address all sorts of issues nationwide, and it's been proven to be effective. And among its most important components is that there's, that there's buy-in, that there's an agreement that we're all aiming to do the same thing. The other component is that um, data is so important that our decisions be data-driven as well as person-centered. So that's an important piece. And another piece that's so important mm -hmm. is uh, that there's an infrastructure that's in place right. that helps support, you know, because you have so many times where you have well-meaning people coming together and they can stay together around a particular issue for a period of time, but they have other work to do. They have other jobs to do. So Absolutely. who's going to keep that effort going, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, so building in a, um, a backbone, it's called in, in, in the collective impact um, terminology. You want a backbone. They're not running the effort, but they're facilitating it and supporting it and helping to apply for new grants as, as those um, become available and that meet the mission, the overall mission of, of the systems of care that have been developed to address whatever the issue might be. So we learned that on Staten Island with tackling youth substance abuse and then with some other efforts that grew out of that to improve um, education outcomes for children, improve health access for people in the community. Um, I see this now as being a very effective approach to dealing with COVID-19. Communities are being hit hard, particularly communities of color, poor communities, uh, we know that, um, that immigrants, and the undocumented, and as I said, um, the people of color have been hit hard, harder than any of the other communities that, that we know. So we, we need to look at how do you create, how do you help develop a healthier community? Um, and for that, I think that the, the systems of care approach using collective impact, using some of the other approaches that were identified in the white paper. That's the way to, to move ahead with this. But I've also learned from my experience, you need buy-in 
from the communities that you're working with. So it's not, I started talking about stakeholders, but the stakeholders go beyond just the ones that I've mentioned. Um, I had an experience, I'll I'll share another, Mm -hmm. um, a number of years ago, I was working at a federally qualified health center in Rockaway. We got a very large grant to reduce youth violence and then a second grant on top of it, they sort of were combined, which is what you can do when you take a, a more systems approach. You can look at how different issues overlap and intersect and use one to strengthen the other. So the second grant that we got, and these were multi-million dollar grants, was to improve access to health care, particularly in, in these targeted communities that, that we were just talking about. And so we learned very quickly that when people, this came around the time of uh, 9-11 followed in Rockaway, was followed by the, uh, the plane that was, that was going to the Dominican Republic that crashed on the Rockaway Peninsula. So we had two major events in a very short period of time. And what we learned very quickly was that we were offered money, federal dollars, to provide mental health services. But did they come? No, people were going to their family their friends, their neighbors, and their clergy before they went anywhere else. That's where people were looking for help and support. So we moved in to identify who the indigenous leaders in in the affected community were, particularly in the faith-based communities. I went and talked with a number of pastors about who are the go-to people in their communities. Do you have a wellness committee? Is there someone that people go to when they're in trouble and they need someone to talk with? Well, let's train these people. We now call them community health workers or peer advocates. At that time, we didn't have the, that kind of language to describe them, but the, the issue and the concepts were, were very real, uh, and we knew that we could be most effective if we can engage those individuals, indigenous to the community, stakeholders in their own community to help bring about change provide them with the skills that could be long-lasting skills and build their capacity to not only bring about change in their community, but to sustain changes in their community. That's what systems of care do. Bringing the various components together to work in this collaborative way gets buy-in from a very large group of people in, your, in the community. Yeah, I, I do want to mention um, issues around um, addressing racism white privilege, and even white supremacy. Because by and large, what happens is that the entities that receive money for the kind of work that we're talking about are, for the most part, led by people who are white. You know, we know that people in power, people in uh, in leadership, for the most part, are not people of color. And I had an experience as I was trying to bring about these changes to reduce youth violence, to increase health access, and I, I went into an event, and somebody who was on my, I already had a coalition, someone who I had been working with, who was a deacon at one of the churches, said, Fern, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I'm coming in. There, there was somebody who was talking about health care needs in the community. And I said, I'm coming here to listen to this person to see whether I should hire him to do some training for these indigenous leaders that I was talking about. And he turned to me and he said, Fern, it's been a long time since we in the black community need someone to tell us what our problems are and how to fix them. Hmm. Whoa. That was such a 
powerful, not necessarily positive, but such a powerful experience. And it took me a while to understand it. And I had to come to terms on my by myself and then with the, with some wonderful help from others to understand what that really meant. And I appreciated that he was saying what many other people were thinking and feeling. And as a result, we were able to open up dialogue in our community, which we had never had before. And that was so essential to removing barriers and creating greater sense of, of trust and reducing suspicion and being open to opportunities for change that would not have happened without that kind of discussion. So it was an incredible lesson learned that really could not have happened if we didn't have a system of care, a collaborative approach. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing that. And Fern, you were also starting to address my final question. What does our experience with systems of care show about care disparity and vulnerable populations? Well, I I think what I've started to describe is that um, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, and the whole is more powerful than each of its entities, its contributing entity. Yeah. So that by bringing those systems together, it it is much more effective in addressing disparities and addressing um, what the needs of the community are. But again, one of the major lessons that are learned here is that since we know that, that the communities, the populations that are at greatest risk and at greatest need tend to be uh, from communities where there isn't parity for health care, where there's a tremendous amount of uh, built-in racism, the poverty level is high, where the education systems aren't as strong as others, that if we want to move the needle on these, coming together is the best way to do that. So I, I take a public health approach. You know, how do we build the health of the community? What do we need to do not only to look at the health of the individual, but to look at the health of the community. And again, I think that that is an important approach now as we're looking at COVID-19. COVID-19 and its repercussions are not going away. You know, we may get the vaccine in a few months and we may get better treatments, but the repercussions and the lessons learned are not going away. And so by strengthening communities, whether it's this pandemic or others, is extremely important and systems of care can do that. The other thing is that everything that I'm talking about is replicable. It may look different in every community because the needs and the stakeholders are different in every community, but the approach, the process, bringing stakeholders together, talking about uh, a common agenda, reassuring that each partner, each stakeholder, that they're not being undermined or weakened, they're actually being strengthened. Because that's, that's what happens, you know, you come together each entity comes with their own agenda rec- reflecting themselves or, or their organizations and what they want to accomplish, and they're concerned. They want to protect that. So the discussion has to be talked about in that way, that nobody is made weaker, that by coming together, each entity is made stronger, and then the community as a whole is made stronger. Those are the, those are the governing principles, and those are the things that work, and that can be replicated in any community, small or large, and it could be replicated anywhere in the country. Awesome. Fern, you've been great in really just painting a picture of how systems of care can 
really address those clinical and community-focused needs that have come about from COVID-19. So thanks so much, Fern. Well, thank you. Um, I, I've enjoyed talking about it. I do have to say that one of the lessons that I've learned is that it's often helpful and important to have someone to facilitate the process, someone who's trusted in the community. Sometimes that's someone coming from within the community. Other times it's bringing other people from outside of the community to help with that and to help the uh, community that wants to form the system of care, uh, help them identify the evidence-based practices that would be in their best interest. So that's something to keep in mind as well. For sure. All right, that concludes today's SAE Cares podcast. By the way, if you haven't signed up yet and want to receive our content and updates in the field, the sign-up link will be in the description so that you can get our issue briefs, podcasts, resources, and more straight to your email inbox. Stay tuned for our upcoming podcasts that will continue to focus on specific elements of our recent white paper. You know, we'll be addressing integrated care and uh, care coordination. Yeah, thanks again, Fern. Really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, take care. Thank you.